Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. Welcome, Will, to the Relating to Self podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, it's cool to get to switch it up from, uh, I think, my normal talking about events and business. So I'm I'm excited for this one. Cool. Me too. Uh, just a quick refresher. If you're new here, if you haven't listened to this, this is your first time. My name is Joachim and I have this podcast to talk about how we relate to ourselves, which is basically from the insight that the only relationship that we will always be in is the one we have with ourselves. And for many people, this relationship isn't really that examined. And I want to change that. I want to help foster a conversation about how we relate to ourselves. Will, I know you from Sandbox, as I have to say, 90% of my guests. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool group, you know? <laughs> it totally is. You are one of the original members, like very far back, 2009. Uh, amazing. And indeed, like you said, you have an event management company, which takes you to exciting places, I imagine. Yes. But today we're here to talk about how you relate to yourself and potentially what we can learn from that. So... I'm always going to start with the same question. It's like relating to self. When you hear that term, like what does that mean to you? Mm. Well, it's, re it's really interesting, especially, you know, for a lot of people who I think are more, um, you know, like selfless, I think in some ways, and, you know, empathetic is that you, you constantly are thinking about other people and, you know, what do they think or, how, you know, how can I make them feel better or, you know, what can I do for other people? But like, you, you know, when you say things like, you know, this is the only relationship that you're, it's gonna be a constant for the rest of your life. It kind of brings in perspective to remind you that like, you know, it's also about self-love. It's about, you know, um, knowing thyself too. So in, you know, scenarios where you're frustrated or whatever it is, you know how to handle that. And it's also about, you know, I think reflecting on where you personally want to go too, And like, what are your goals of what you're trying to do? Because, you know, definitely it's very, very easy, I think, to go externally um, based on pressures of life and, um, you know, you know, ev everything is going on. It's just it's so easy, I think, to, to focus externally rather than, you know, internally as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a lot of information in a very short amount of time. That's great. <laughs> I would love to dive a bit deeper. I talk really <laughs> fast. Yeah, <I'm... laughs> for sure. So that's one thing I know about myself is I can just go, go, go. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I love it. Lots of lots of different aspects of relating to self that came up in what you just said. A couple of things I would love to uh, dive in deeper. First of all, this this focusing externally versus for focusing internally. I'm really curious where you perceive yourself in that scale. Mm. Like currently, let's say, um, how much of your time is spent navigating your inner relationship versus your relationship with the world or people? Oh, that's really interesting. You know, like, I think I don't think about myself a lot because I'm so comfortable with myself in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I, 
Um, I definitely don't struggle with, you know, having reflections where I'm like, why am I feeling this way? You know, I, I very much, you know, I don't, you know, I don't get stressed very easily. I don't suffer from, you know, lots of huge anxiety. Um, so a lot of times I think that I don't really think about myself a lot because it's so commonplace that everything's kind of just okay personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, I think it's really interesting that there's been a lot of cases where I haven't uh, I started to reflect on myself and then you realize that there is more to work on and there's more of that space to, to work on those sort of things. And um, yeah, reflect on yourself or address things within your own mind that you have going on. But, you know, I definitely, you know, because I spend, I'm very extroverted. Um, so I'm spending my time around a lot of people. Um, you know, I do a lot of content, so I'm constantly talking to other people too. Um I think that it's really easy that that might also be a distraction. And that's like, as I start to reflect on that, is that, is that a distraction from the, uh, you know, distracting me from going myself? And that's why I'm so comfortable with myself is because I'm so distracted by the external in some ways. Mm. That make any sense? That's, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because I think for a lot of people, the external world is welcome as a distraction because mm. they have trouble sitting with themselves. What mm. happens when they sit in silence with themselves is uncomfortable. And so then it's very easy, especially if you have an extrovert personality, to step into other things in order to not have to feel that discomfort of sitting with yourself. But at the same time, you say that for you, you feel quite comfortable with yourself in general. So I don't get a sense that you, you have a difficult time, you know, just sitting with yourself. So yeah, I wonder, no, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, and I don't know if it necessarily is considered external, but like, I think like, for example, with me, like I I grew up a long lot, listening to a lot of music, started as a DJ before I was an event uh, manager. And basically I was, you know, constantly sometimes just laying in bed, just listening to music. And sometimes I think music can be external because it's, you know, it's a stimulation and things like that. But then I find it to be like a big internal exercise because you are like reflecting on the lyrics and what they mean to you. And, you know, it's almost like the equivalent of kind of reading a book, but I feel like a book is even more like requires more brain effort and things like that. Whereas like music, you can almost like flow into some ways. So I think like maybe that's also helped in some ways is that like, you know, I I spent a lot of time listening to music versus, you know, like, I, but I didn't spend a lot of time, like, I, I definitely didn't grow up, like, meditating or anything. I didn't learn about meditation until I was, like, in sophomore year of high school or so. Um, So I think that there's a lot of, like, you know, if I, if my most still time was listening to music growing up, and I don't know if that counts or not. Yeah, definitely. I would say it counts. Um, I'm a musician originally. That's kind of, like, where yeah. a lot of my development came from. I believe it's the other way around for me in the sense that it's not music that developed this ability to sit with myself. It's that music became the way in which I was able to create a safe space for myself in an environment that was chaotic or not very present to me. And the interesting part is like, I'm already starting to get like a feel of what you're saying, right? And I think that... What kind of music did you listen to too? I was just curious out out of the... the, Um, Sorry well, to I mean, interrupt. No worries. When I, when I was young, to be honest, um, access to music was very limited oh, in the sense that, you know, the only thing I could do was listen to the radio station or oh. I had some cassette tapes. Heck yeah. And <laughs> um, yeah, the early music influences I had were uh, Jean-Michel Jarre, which is this French electronic music mm. musician from like the first generation synthesizer music kind of stuff. Cool. 
Yeah, and I had like two tapes. It's not like I, I you know, <laughs> yeah, that was totally. it, two tapes, you, you but I listened tape to those over all the time. Over yeah, and over and yeah, over, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, but so the interesting part is for me is that when I hear you speak, I have the impression, and that has happened a couple of times in the podcast, that this will be a more difficult conversation for me to have with you because <laughs> you are one of those rare persons who perhaps grew up in circumstances that manifested in a rather healthy relationship with yourself from the get-go. Mm. And I usually find that, you know, if I talk to people who have had a difficult relationship to themselves and to caretakers or to the environment, then, you know, develop trauma and then have to heal themselves and all that kind of stuff, they develop frameworks and, oh, and wow. ways of navigating that space within themselves that makes for interesting. an interesting conversation because that's where mine's like where more I like a natural from. skill in some ways. Exactly. So it's like, yeah. it's like, it's the time where you hear someone, they're like, oh yeah, like, how are you so good at guitar? And you're expecting them to be like, so I practiced and I had this technique and they're like, no, I just, I know how to do it, you know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, but that's fascinating because I, I, I love trying to understand then what it feels like for people like that to navigate oh. that relationship with themselves. If it comes effortlessly, if it comes easily, which is definitely not the case in my life. I mean, it feels really effortless and good now but yeah. i had to go through decades of <laughs> intentional practice to get there right yeah for sure for sure so yeah so let's uh, let's take a look at meditation because you said and i find that also fascinating he said i only discovered meditation in like sophomore year or something which for me sounds very early <laughs> and i just yeah and i just realized too that you know uh, we were reflecting on it and you know, before med I discovered meditation in my like, it was like sophomore world religions class. Um, mm. I realized that I grew up going to Catholic school, like my whole life, basically like from kindergarten and even before kindergarten, I was like in a Christian, you know, preschool essentially. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'd say it wasn't until maybe, you know, we went to church all the time as kids and, you know, but I was a typical like ADD kid in church who was like fidgeting, couldn't stop sitting still. And it wasn't until I discovered uh, being an altar server, um, which is like when you're like the assistant to the priest on stage. And what I realized is, is this very much, I think, developed my desire to be like a, an event manager behind the scenes. You know, I loved, I didn't necessarily go for just to pray, but I, and do all this stuff, but I liked the active, like the activity of like making the show flow and making it run really well. And, you know, like I'd be, I'd run out of the, you know, from on stage all the way back and close the doors because it would be like, you know, cold or hot inside the church. And, you know, but I think the thing was that, you know, church probably was a big part, like praying was a big part of it. You know, like you had to like have these long, you know, minutes of silence inside of church. And, you know, it, it came from a place where like, because it was involved with school and, you know, my parents were taking me there, you almost like forced you to have that silence in some ways. So maybe that also contributed to it in some ways. But again, like, I also loved it because I love the behind the scenes aspect. So I also don't know if like I loved it because it built that self relationship with me, but maybe it was like, you know, it was like, I, I got a taste of, of it because of the desire to do the behind the scenes stuff. And then like naturally sprinkled in some uh, ability to pray or be in silence. Hmm. Yeah. That's a really good point. I've, I've always thought that, you know, praying in essence is having a conversation with yourself because 100%. I think God is some kind of a representation of a principle inside of your mind. And then, sure. you know, God never answers. God never speaks. It's always just <laughs> like, you know, you conversing with yourself. And I think that's a really, it's the same thing basically as sitting just with yourself and examining what things are happening inside of yourself and what you would like 
and, and navigating that conversation. So I'm curious as to if you still have a like a praying practice or do you still practice no. prayer? No. Yeah. Basically, when I got out of high school and got to college, I was like, oh, yeah, like, you know, because like, I was like so active again, like, like literally like like my my mom ran the gift shop at the church. My dad was in, you know, the St. Vincent Paul. My sister was a singer inside of it. So like church was like almost like everything, a big part of what we did aside from like all the extracurricular activities. But then I get to college and it like it just kind of like did like disappeared. Like I think because my business was also starting to take off. So I like just got busy with that. But also too, like you move from community to community. It was like from my church now to like I would have to go to like the the youth practices or something like that in related in at ASU, which is the school I went to. And, you know, yeah, it just kind of disappeared. But what's interesting is that me, I don't know if it necessarily happened during college, but at some point, you know, rediscovered meditation, probably through like Headspace or like the app, you know, and was like, oh, this is really cool. And, you know, I think probably I also got fascinated with like Tim Ferriss and, you know, he talks a lot about meditation and you know, I started learning like the more practical, like science behind it in some ways. And so um, I started trying to do that, especially because my mind thinks so fast, but, you know, I, I think I was like a normal person. I like started for like maybe a month or two and was like really good, but then fell off the wagon for like two years and be like, I have to do this again, you know, and then was on and off. But like, Definitely no formal practices now, um, but like I definitely know that like when I need to, like I got to breathe and like I know that that tool is available to me if I if I need it. Mm. That's great. Yeah, I love hearing that. It's it's really amazing how let's call them mainstream influencers like Tim Ferriss have mm -hmm. have opened up that space to a lot more people, and then having the kind of tools that like you said, Headspace or Calm or whatever it is yeah. that people use it makes these very simple tools and techniques available to a large amount of people who would otherwise perhaps never have engaged with them because it sounds like, you know, something Eastern religious kind of thing, like <laughs> totally. this meditation, this weird thing. Yeah, that's how it was presented to me. You know, yeah. like in, in my, I remember that world religions class, we were learning, I think probably yeah, about like Buddhism or something like that. And they're <laughs> like, well, let's learn about meditation. And, you know, I thought to myself, I think while we were doing it, and I was like, this is the same thing as praying, which was like that, well, that class was so impactful for me from a religion standpoint, because it made me like understand like how much they're all similar and how there's like these you know, similar uh, techniques with it. But, you know, I definitely, you know, I love your analogy, though. I've never heard that of like the idea of praying, being talking to yourself in a lot of ways, because, yeah, you, you you do a lot of self-reflection during it. You know, like I, I, there's this moment I remember when I was in my freshman year of high school. So I went to uh, like my middle school was like kind of like a, a feeder school for like one of the best all boys Catholic schools for high school. And naturally, like if you went to this middle school, like 99% of the kids went to like the all boys school or the all girls school. And it was like, that was what you had to do. And it was like, you had a life plan. It was like, you go there then you go to a Jesuit college and boom, you're done. And, you know, you're set for life. And, you know, I, I, that like discovered the internet at an early age. And I started building an internet radio station during my like freshman year of high school. And I also discovered Halo too, which was also a, a disruptor to school. And um, basically, long story short, my like my grades like tanked, right? Like I I I didn't want to do well in Latin because I've been taking Spanish my whole life, and I was like, I'm gonna in protest fail Latin. Yeah, that was a great way to get kicked out of school. But basically, I, I ended up having such terrible grades. They were like, you you have to leave the school and you have to go to another school and prove that you can get good grades and you can maybe come back. Um, and so when I got kicked out of the school though, because like my, all my friends were at that school and, you know, it was like it's part of this path that was planned out for you. Like, oh, it just like, it made me so sad. Hmm. And I was like, so 
disrupted by it. Like, and it was really sad, especially because my parents got the mail and my parents were the ones who told me like that I was getting kicked out and what this meant. And, you know, like I was sad that I disappointed them and I had always struggled with grades and things like that, but really like not making my parents angry was like my biggest mm. goal in life, you know? And I just got kicked out of like the school and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like that school had all my friends. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I remember like going up into my bedroom and like laying in my bed and just like sobbing and crying and like basically like begging God. I was like, you like help me fix this. Like help me reverse this. I don't remember what I exactly said, but you know, I was just like, I, don't, I can't do this. This is just like terrible. And I remember just like, now I realized like I basically was talking to myself and mm -hmm. to like what I wanted and almost like calming myself down in a lot of ways. And I think that, you know, I, I was definitely really upset about it and ultimately it worked out. Okay. I'm going to a different school that I only knew one person at. And I almost got to like rewrite my identity because of it mm -hmm. and being like actually probably better for me. Um, but like in that moment, you know, you, I needed someone like, I needed like this higher power to call to. And it was funny is like, I think I like, because you get told at a kid that this like almighty power, if you pray, you, anything can happen, you know, like you kind of think like, well, I'm going to ask for what I want. And, you know, it, you hope that it's going to kind of work out that way. And it's kind of nice because it, I realize now being older is that I'm manifesting in myself what I want. So therefore, like talking through it and saying it is the equivalent of why you write gratitude statements in the morning or why you write your goals out. Um, and, you know, I just remember that was like probably like one of the most like pivotal moments in my life that and now remembering like, hell, hey, like reflecting on it now, like that was you know, me talking to myself in some ways, which is weird because if you told me that when I was in high school, I'd be like, like, it probably would have like destroyed me in some sort of way, yeah, you know, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. have been able to understand it. But, you know, you know, now uh, 16 years later, I can reflect on it and be like, okay, that makes, that yeah. makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's something really powerful just about figuring out for yourself what it is that you want or what it is that you desire. Mm -hmm. And I guess if you ask a higher authority that you believe in, what you want for the prerequisite for that is that you know what you want. Oh yeah, because it comes internally. You, need to, you need to figure that out. So I guess that conversation also helps you gain clarity about what it is that you're striving for. What is it that you want to obtain? And that's such a good I think point. that's the that's the first step towards actually achieving any goal is to actually know what the goal is, right? And that makes a lot of sense to me too. Like I think one thing that like you know talking about the talking yourself piece, I very much like. I remember like growing up thinking to myself, am I weird? The fact that I constantly like verbally talk to myself out loud, mm. you know, it's, it's, I think one reason why probably I like public speaking and being on podcasts too is because like I, I basically can like think out loud, you know, in a mm. lot of ways. But, you know, now that I think about it, maybe that was also really helpful for me because like sometimes like, you know, you talk through a plan, you talk through what you're willing to do. And I was like willing to do that almost in a weird way where I'm sure my parents were like looking at me out the window or hearing me talk to myself walking up and down the side yard, you know, but like, I'm wondering if that helped a lot with in terms of like goal setting and knowing what I wanted was that I was comfortable with the idea of just talking to myself all the time. Mm -hmm. And I find sometimes like when I'm in really stressed out situations or, you know, I'm thinking about like what I want or I want to brainstorm, I'll talk verbally out loud to myself to like process those ideas. And I think maybe talking to myself might become like a, a, a good um, tool to be able to, you know, manifest those ideas and put them together. Yeah, I know what that yeah I'd like to add, two things there that are important um, 
I've come to this idea of the, the voice as being one of our most powerful tools for changing your relationship to yourself because mm-hmm. there is something really strange or interesting that happens when you hear yourself speaking things about yourself. I have this series of meditations. One of the meditations is a, mm-hmm. a kindness meditation, kindness to self. Mm-hmm. And in that meditation, I ask people to go in a deep state of meditation and then to physically speak out loud, I am kind to myself. And there's something that happens there about like a feedback mechanism. You hear yourself saying, I'm kind to myself. And this resonates, right? In the body, you you hear the, the vibration. And that changes something, I think, in the way you perceive yourself. So that's one point. Mm-hmm. The other point is that um, speaking to yourself out loud, I think, is also a way to notice your own behavior. And that's one of the concepts I've been working with in the past months in my relationship to myself, which is fascinating. Not thinking in terms of I'm always acting intentionally in the world because that's not true. I'm very often just noticing. I see myself acting in a certain way. And I've noticed in, in the past few months that sometimes people ask me a question, I talk to people, and then I hear myself say things. And I'm like almost surprised by what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I've never said that before. Or apparently I'm showing up in a different way now in this situation. (laughs) And that becomes a really interesting kind of game, almost like a game of awareness of like noticing what you speak out loud and being surprised by it almost. So I'm curious if if that feels related to to your practice of speaking out loud or is it more like a a thinking out loud thing where you literally kind of just like speak your thoughts to come to a conclusion? I definitely think there's a thinking out loud piece for sure. But then, you know, I I definitely can relate to the like the you when you realize you're saying something different, the like mechanism of it breaking your habit of what you normally say. So like because I do so many speaking engagements talking about like, you know, event trends and all these things like that is like my big, you know, thing, you know, I very much push myself a lot of times like like break the habit, like don't say the same, don't share the same information you've always shared. It's one reason why like I don't do PowerPoints or any of my presentations. Um, and I'm, you know, I notice that sometimes when I like say something like kind of cool that I'm like, oh, that was cool. Will. like, <laughs> you know, that's awesome. And like being like excited sometimes I think to then go re-listen to it because then it, it's almost teaching myself back to be like, oh yeah, that's a really good point. Like, you know, and I, I've, I've kind of like realized that sometimes I think some of the ideas that I hold on to strongest are the ones when I end up like vocalizing them. Um, so sometimes like I think that it's really, really important that you that talking to yourself sometimes alone because it makes sometimes talking to yourself like on a podcast and be saying something for the first time ever can be really stressful for some people. But like sometimes I think just getting that idea out, I think can be really, really cathartic and creative in some ways. They like it definitely, I think, releases a different side of me. Now I think about it, like the feeling I get when I say, share a really cool idea and it resonates really well with someone releases, it feels like a completely different chemical in my brain than, mm-hmm. you know, if I were to watch a cool movie that I see something I haven't seen before or, you know, hear a song that I love. Um, yeah, I never thought about that before. Well, I think there's also something about being in the now there. I think when we, when we tell people stories we've told before, we basically are not present to the current moment. Mm-hmm. We are autopilot recounting a story that already exists in our mind. We've told that story many times. And I've even done that quite intentionally when I meet new people in whatever circumstance. I try to 
counter the common questions. Like when people are asking, like, you know, what do you do? Where are you from? All those kind of things. Okay. I'm like, I think okay. it's definitely a sandbox thing for sure, too. Well, don't, yeah, don't, for sure. Don't, don't ask them what yeah. you do for a living. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's some interesting information there about where you want to take the conversation. But then I found myself, even with the sandboxy questions of like, you know, uh, what's real for you right now? Where's your heart? Whatever. If you come yeah. up with the same story that you usually tell, you are going into story mode. And what I sure. value about remaining with myself in the now is that then something new can emerge. I, mm-hmm. That's when you are having a conversation in the sense of like mm-hmm. what you're telling what you're telling me changes what I will say to myself. Interesting. And that becomes an interesting feedback loop between me, my relationship to myself, and then the world, the external world, being in that now moment by making creating new stories, saying new things is a fascinating yeah. process for me. Yeah, I never thought about that too, like trying to make sure that like, because like definitely like when you're in sandbox, like everyone always, like when you're at summits and things like that, like, you know, I, I always tell first timers, I'm like, don't, like whenever I, or whenever I meet someone meets like a sandbox or we have a new person, they go, oh yeah, what do you do? And I'm like, ask a better question, you know? But I didn't, re- I never realized like the idea though of watching that, even though sometimes like you push someone to ask a different question, also recognizing too, like when people kind of like, fall into like the the like almost I think like I'm thinking of like almost like if they fall they're like almost falling asleep by telling a story they've told before exactly because the, your, yeah. your brain's just like okay cool access that memory boom go versus like yes. let's light up a different part of it yes. that you've had before and it's the same with the question asking really very often the people who ask that kind of questions it's just because they're not very present to meeting this new person it's kind of like just yeah. just a stored question just press play right Boom. oh what yep. do you do Boom, go. and they don't really care about the answer it doesn't it's not really interesting it's because that's the first thing they thought of it's just a habit so do you think it's like almost like you you should ask a question that you yourself wants to answer that you've never answered before so For like example, that might yes. that might be like something that you then do as an activity is like let let me think of like something that i haven't ever answered before and like that, that's one of the nice things when you ask the question is usually you're, you're the last person to answer it unless it's such a hard question. They're like, you go first, uh, you know, um, on there. But yeah, man, I. <laughs> Great. I'm happy that happens. There's something else you said that I want to go back to for a moment. At a certain point, you mentioned when you were changing schools because of the bad grades, that yes. that became something like rewriting your identity. Yeah. And I think that's also a fascinating statement that I want to dive into. Um, yeah. This is about ego, right? It's about like, for me, ego is the collection of stories that we hold about ourselves, that we think are true about ourselves. And obviously, going through an intense change like that, like having your identity taken away because, you know, school, yeah. friends, grades and all that, and then changing the path there. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you were present through that rewriting of the identity, or was it more something that you observed happening? Oh, man. Um partially present i think for sure and then there's probably a little bit of it that i definitely didn't have any sort of control over um you know when i went to when i went from brophy over to borgade um it definitely like for a long time i remember like until i think i was in like college i think i was like so afraid to tell people that too like so it was, it was definitely it was very very traumatic for me for sure mm-hmm. but when i switched over from brophy to borgade i only knew one person is my like child one of my childhood friends tony and tony 
was like, you know, he thought like the world of me. So like when I got there, he's like, I got to introduce you to everybody. I got to show you. So like he was just like my biggest like fan and advocate. So that helped me a ton because it like gave me a lot of confidence. Whereas like my freshman year of high school, I was very nerdy, wore glasses. And like that's and that brophy, like you grow your hair out long. And because it's an all guy school, you don't care if you smell. So you like almost aren't taking care of yourself in a lot of ways, which I think also helped create an environment where I really didn't care about like my grades or anything like that. Cause I was like, you know, if, if I can get, you know, get by with crappy grades, you know, maybe no one will notice. Um, but then when I went to Borgade, yeah, like Tony thought the world of me. So it was really great because then like immediately you're getting introduced by like a huge person who's a huge fan of you. So you're like confidence is just going up. And mm. I think that's really that transition ended up making me from being, uh, you know, the nerdy website building video game playing, you know, kid to being the dj and being the extrovert like i almost probably switched from being an introvert to an extrovert during this time because you know when i came in tony's like yeah he's a dj and people like oh you're a dj that's so cool like you know and like you get almost get this identity start to be built for you that is like what a dj is uh, supposed to look like (laughs) and was that you know kind of look like but also, you know, like I could do meet who I want to and kind of reform relationships because like I almost had a clean slate of friends I had to make. Um, so I remember, yeah, like hopping in the beginning, like hopping between tables and f- finding who was going to be my friends and eventually like settling, I think like about like midway through my sophomore year um, with some friends. And, you know, I think that then, you know, that there was a part of it that was controlled. The fact that like I would tell people, people be like, you're a DJ, but I didn't tell them like, oh yeah, I was a website designer, all these things like that. But then there's parts of it like I didn't have any control of because like at Brophy, I came with all like the baggage I had from middle school, which was like, I was very weird. You know, I wasn't, I was just fi- discovering websites like in my later part of middle school, but like, I like Pokemon, you know, in, in fifth grade and all these weird things. I remember, uh, you know, I was definitely probably one of the weirdest kids at, at in middle school, but then I came to Borgate and like no one knew me. And so I think there was part of it that I, that because I didn't have anyone to know me, I did, I a lot like didn't have control over how anybody could perceive it. You know, um, so that, that I think that like helped a lot with it. But yeah, it was definitely a, it was, I think, like very another reason why it's like something that was so terrible and I thought was going to be so bad of like leaving school, losing all my friends to being like probably one of the reasons why it shaped me who I am today. Mm. What brings me to my next question that I am curious about, like how much of your current identity, like your ego, the story you believe <laughs> about yourself is actually intentionally built based on, you know, your choices your path in life and how much of it is still the result of circumstances and things you had no control over? You know, that's such, such a good question. Um, I think part of me really wanted to be the extroverted DJ kind of like fun guy, you know, and, you know, be a leader um, in a lot of ways. You know, I, I remember at my like sister's um, wedding dancing on like the wall behind the DJ and like being really fascinated with that. You know, I like kind of being like the out there high energy guy, but you know, and when you're that and you're weird, sometimes people think you're just weird. Right. But then like when you're high energy and you like know how to control it in the right ways, I found that like you can, people really love it. Like every, like everybody loves the fact that like, while I'm at a wedding, I'll be the first person to get on dance floor. And I'll pull people on the dance floor to get the party started. You know, when everyone's dancing, I'll be the guy to lead shout and like get everybody low, get everybody high, you know? Um, so I I'm think curious, lot- do you do that? Like, because you know that people will like it? Or do you do it because that's what you feel is your personality type or you want to do that? 
I think I get a dopamine release for sure when like right. I'm I'm helping right. the crowd go. Um, exactly. I also yeah. think it's, it's it's a mix of like that kind of like something that you're good at and that you know that you also enjoy. So it's like almost that like yeah. perfect know that like I'm good at it. So I want to do it because I know that I can really help people in a lot of ways. And it's probably an expectation, right? They know, oh, yes. Will's here. <laughs> He'll be the guy who, who helps us get into that. So, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think like in a lot of ways, my modern identity, and that was such a deep question. I, I have definitely never thought of that. Is is I think definitely shaped from that like time forward. I'm trying to think like how my identity is shaped since that like becoming the DJ guy because it's been so attached because basically once sophomore year started, it was my junior year that I started the DJ company that now became the giant event management company I have now. So a lot of that has been attached to that identity for so long. I think there are small parts of it that have uh, really, really changed, you know, like, you know, I went, I think from being just, oh, he's high energy and he like, he's, he's good with music and things like that to being like more of a thought leader in a lot of ways. And I've tried to make myself more of like, intellectual and idea driven but then it's also i think it depends on what group i'm with i sometimes have slightly different identities so for example like i think if i were to share this podcast with all my you know my business audience being like oh that normal listen to me talk about events and things like that they would be like whoa will deep reflective <laughs> but in reality like anybody who has met me through like sandbox or been at summit or anything like that knows that like I can get like I can go there is this like hidden level and and definitely sure. shout out to Sandbox for like helping I think bring this forward because um you know I was only like 19 when I joined Sandbox so like it was a big part of like being like hey you don't have to just only be this high energy DJ you can also work on yourself and you can be something other than business um on it um but then you know I've also kind of now that I'm like in my 30s and I've been doing you know this running this company for so long a lot of it is now is like I'm also wondering like what is my like maybe my third stage of my identity going to be like? Who do you how, want to become? Yeah, who do I want to become and what does that want to look like? And do I want to continue to be this person I am now or do I want to try something completely different or, you know, whatever that looks like? But it, it definitely a lot of my identity suffers a lot from the fact that it's tied so much to an organization within the company. And, you know, I think I've definitely over the course of the last maybe three, four years, started to separate it it's one reason why like i've built a personal website to for speaking engagements it's one reason why like you know i'm okay not always wearing my lime green shirt and uh, f- funny stories i'm wearing my lime green like endless shirt right now but a lot of people like m- when they're in, at business events if they see me not in lime green they go why aren't you wearing lime green and i'm like <laughs> i actually own 90 percent like gray t-shirts and like gray gray uh, patagonia shirt with gray patagonia shorts and that's like my outfit 99 of the time but it's just like when i'm on a Speaking engagement, we're in lime green, you know? So I, I think that there's definitely a, a thought to think like, what's the next stage going to look like that it might be different than my company attached to it in some ways. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I'm I'm in that transition right now. I just Hard. stepped away from the company that I've been creating and running for the past 10 years. And that's very much one of the questions that I'm fascinated by. Like, who am I without the identity of being the co-founder and CEO of this company? Right? For sure. Like, what is there? And this process of reinventing myself from a perspective of I'm just open to what emerges is yeah. fascinating and it's so scary cool. and it's exciting, you know? So, it's for sure. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I got, a, I got a kind of like a mini tease of that when I was graduating from college. So 
because I started my company when I was in high school. And then when I went to to college, you know, I got actually that's how I met Zach Hamilton, who introduced me to Sandbox, was that we all had the same entrepreneurship scholarship, which is basically entrepreneurs who started their businesses while in school. And so like being a student entrepreneur was a huge part of my identity. In fact, like, you know, like so many articles written about, oh, Will runs this very successful company while also going to college. And, you know, I remember like getting towards college and be like, well, what does this mean for me? And I kind of just kept pushing it to the side and not really worry about it. But I remember when I like got done with college and like realized I was like, I'm never going to be interviewed because I'm like, I don't have this exciting fact about the fact that I run a successful company while also at college. So now I just need to be successful, period, you know, and, 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 you know, I know success can sometimes like be a toxic word in some ways, but in this case, like I need to just like work hard and be love what I'm doing and all those things like that attached to it in a positive way. But, you know, it was one of those things where like the PR and the press very much made me think like, man, like there's no excuses now. You can't like, if your business, if your business fails, if you're just like another entrepreneur, it's okay, you know, in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, I think I kind of went through a little bit of it. This is like a tease when that kind of came in. Um, and I think similarly too, like I felt a little bit of uh, that identity shift too. Like when we went uh, from having a physical office to going remote like seven years ago, talk about like the the earliest best bet you could have made a long time ago, right? But, um, you know, seven years ago or so when I did it, I remember like leaving the lime green walls behind and like having the space that was like mine separate from the house and then like moving everything home. And, you know, I think, I was probably some form of depressed in some ways. You know, it was really hard. It was also the company was going through a lot of cash flow issues at the time too. But it was like, it was basically brought just back to me. I had to hustle and work really, really hard. Um, But, you know, I think a lot of it that helped is that like I got brought back to just me. And I, I, one thing I reflect on in a lot of ways is that like sometimes like when the company is really having troubles, sometimes it relies on you just to make the decision and make things happen. And I have to remind myself that because I'm also a CEO with lots of people below me who I'm told and, you know, tons of business books to also delegate and let other people run the business and get out of it. Um, So I think like in a lot of ways too, like that balance of you have to make everything happen and, you know, uh, you know, when do you jump in and it's it's all about you is like definitely a very interesting mix for me in a lot of ways. Yeah, I hear you. There's many ways we could continue this conversation, but we are nearing the end of this <laughs> this one and i would like to ask you a last question before we part ways Let's do it and that is very simply if there was a question that you would have loved to answer but that i didn't ask you what question would that have been damn it so this is like the the what i said earlier which, what, what's a question that i should and that i should answer exactly. that yeah. i haven't uh dang that's you flipped it on me so well um <laughs> thanks Let's think, because, uh, you know, I have my default answer. Like I almost like in my, uh, like my brain's like trying to go to autopilot. So let me dig deep and like see if I can find something, um, you know, really good. Yeah, and take your time. This is the kind of podcast where silence is appreciated. I'm, let me know if this question has been asked. If it has, I want to do a different question. Let's see if I can try to do something else. But like, <laughs> You want to be original. Let's, what's something you don't like about yourself? That is one of my standard questions. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't asked it this okay. time. So. Okay, let me, let me see if I get something better. Let me see if I get something. Because like I, I find a lot of times on podcasts, I spend a lot of time talking about like the positive and the good and all sure, those things like sure. that. And like no one sometimes knows like the hardships that you go through. Yeah. So, but well, I usually phrase it differently. I usually ask something like, when you think about your relationship to yourself, what is difficult for you still? Oh, 
that is that's a better question because that like <laughs> relates to like rather than just being like a, something like external that you're like judging it's more so like exactly. almost like a task of something that you can work on yeah. um you know i think man damn your question was way better than mine <laughs> oh this is i don't know this is episode what something in the 50s maybe <laughs> yeah once you start doing it for a while you're like you, you like yeah people are like you have such good questions and i'm like oh yeah just have Thank a podcast for sure like a year, a year you know <laughs> um so what's something that i'd want to work on um i think my biggest thing i think of myself is that like i would say probably i mean to kind of go back to a little bit of what we were talking about earlier is like being willing like being willing to like figure out the design of what you want in the future. Like I try not to think too far into the future. Like I have my bucket list. I have the things that I want to do. You know, I know what I'm comfortable with and I know where like I want to be. But like, if you were to say right now, strip the company away from me, um, you know, let's make money not an issue because that tends to freak people out too in a lot of ways. Um, it would, I could oh, I'd say it freaks me out to not know like where I would get my source of money from. And you know, I think that like knowing that there could be some journey that could exist for the next 30 years that is diff completely different than the journey I've had so far in this first 32 years of my life, like accepting that and also exploring it, like playing with it, I think in some ways, like, hey, do I, you know, what do I want to, you know, do that? And, and, and my girlfriend, Della, has been awesome. And she's uh, talked to me about like, fire movement and you know the idea of like saving half your income so you can basically not have to worry about money and because like money's such a stressor for me she's introduced the idea for me and i think it's like kind of opened up my mind to be like what if i could design a life where i don't have to necessarily work every single day and because work's been so part of my identity for so long like maybe i could do that um so i think that if i could you know work at better at like continuing to explore those ideas and dream i think about what it might look like in my future identity i think that would be something i would want to work on beautiful i love it thank you well well this was a lovely conversation um, thank you amazing. so much for being here yeah i really appreciate <laughs> your beautiful energy and and the authenticity with which you present yourself i appreciate it oh this has been like one of the best podcasts by far I've ever been on. So this has been the great questions and just now, now I'm going to need to cancel the rest of my meetings for the day and reflect. <laughs> I love that. Great. Well, well, good luck with the self-reflections for the rest of the day. Thank and you. I hope we meet in the flesh sometime yes, soon. Definitely soon. Ciao. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. <laughs>